You're listening to Mike and Kristen. The podcast. I'm Mike, a musician, writer, and producer. And I'm Kristen, a painter, writer, and designer. Our show is all about following dreams, taking chances, and what life as an artist is really about. Together, we bring you weekly guest interviews and thought-provoking conversations. Let's go! Hello, all you wonderful people of podcast land out there. You're listening to Mike and Kristen. How is it going? How are you doing, Kristen, yourself? I'm doing pretty swell today. Yeah? When you do these enthusiastic intros, I like to think you're talking directly at me. It's like a coach's pep talk. Come on, get ready, Harrington. Yeah, exactly. We're going in. Woo-woo. Hit a three-pointer, win this game. <laughs> we do need the energy today, though, because our to-do list is about seven days worth of work condensed yeah. into 24 hours. Yeah. So how are you feeling? Have you stretched yet? Are you ready for well, this? Well, we have all this to do, and I'm sick, too. I know. So, kind of sucks. Yeah, but, it's just you're in the early sick stage, aren't you? Yeah, but I'm taking uh, zinc, cold effects, echinacea, vitamin C, vitamin D. <laughs> um, <laughs> I just took had a, some tea and honey. You need, like, some baby snake blood or something. Uh, some antibodies in a weird weird form the tea and honey made me feel sick to my stomach though i think because usually i don't i don't have like uh sweets like that first thing in the morning yeah. ever so I'm like i'm dizzy now so I'm, I'm ready to go you've got the honey spins yeah i got the honey spins going <laughs> that sounds actually like a really sweet state to be in i yeah. got the honey spins <laughs> well, well when we get back from uh our, our trip will write a song called Honey Spins. Okay. Or I guess we just did. We just, it started. I this is our first co-write. Actually, we have about 20 songs that we've written together. Yeah. We have a whole album's worth that we'll release one day. Very short, like three second songs. <laughs> George is a good boy, very, very, very good, good boy, boy, best boy in the world. Our cat is George. Mm-hmm. By the way, not... Well, any, I guess that's for any George out there. Ah, <laughs> uh, we just wrote a George anthem. George Woodhouse, this yeah. one's for you yeah. in part. And yeah. yeah, any special Georges in your life? We'll release this just for them. The tallest player in NBA history was George Murasan. George Foreman, famous yeah. famous race car driver. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> great race car driver. <laughs> that's an inside joke. Yeah. We, we won't get into it. Well, Kristen thought George Farman was a race car driver. Well, there's a little more to it no, than that. No, that's it. But... <laughs> He's a boxer. Big boxer. Anyway, we have an awesome guest on the the podcast today. Great, great, great guy, Leith Fleming-Smith. Just uh, the grooviest person I've ever met in my entire life. He is just a Christmas tree, isn't he? Like the sweetest, <laughs> sweetest human alive and... So talented, so humble, and we were very lucky to have him come hang out for the afternoon with us. Yeah, he was just a, a pleasure to talk to, and I've I've known Leith for years now, just from playing gigs and opening shows for Matt Mays or different bands he's he's playing with and uh, sharing the stage with them. And I, I definitely know him, but getting to chat with him in this context, get to know him on a deeper level, and he's a he's a very very well-known musician just because he plays with so many great acts and he's so busy and he's just all anywhere you look up on the stage Leith is there and I think this will just 
let people get to know him on a bit of a deeper level and and it's only good things that uh the deeper you go it's a really inspiring chat his commitment to just being himself has been what served him and like you say people have come to know him for his stage presence and his energy and his talent this was a real opportunity to see what fuels that fire on stage such a positive guy and lives in the moment and just wants other people to be happy yeah he's just a gem we didn't tell this story or have this conversation with Leith when he was here, but we were at a, a pre-party for one of the May shows this summer down at the Shore Club in Hubbard's, and we were all just kind of sitting around having a drink, and Leith got up to go get a drink of water or something over at the sink, and he turns to you, and he's like, do you need anything on the other side of the room? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because like, he just happened to be like, walking 10 feet across like the room. 10 by 10 cabin. Yeah, yeah, like that's how generous he is. Just, oh, while I'm up, do you need something that you can probably reach with your long arm anyways? Yeah. But, yeah, just just so kind. And it's it's uh, cool that he started his piano lessons in the building where Togetherland is now. We talk about his piano lessons with Bonnie McQuaig. So Bonnie and her husband, Robert McQuaig, Bob, are who I, I, I guess, deal with in terms of paying my rent and managing Togetherland, my art gallery. And yeah, this is Leith's stomping ground and yeah. where he where everything started for him. So what a cool full circle moment that we have this shared creative space down in Ingramport. Like, yeah, what are the odds? Where all dreams come true. Well, my dreams are coming true down there. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe I'll have a trajectory like Leith had and find myself on these massive stages globally. You're doing, you're doing great, Kristen. (laughs) Thanks, buddy. You just keep doing what you're doing. Well, he, uh, yeah, this was a, Another just really um, positive conversation and a great reminder about what's important and uh, just taking things in strides, being appreciative, being kind. Yeah. I feel I feel grounded after this one. Well, let's dive in. Give the people a chance to feel that same way by hearing the words of a, a great dude. A legend. All right, folks, enjoy this one. Maybe you're on your drive up to Yarmouth for Music Week and you've got some company now. Cheers, buds. Calm, cool, and collected. Yes, precisely. <laughs> like you, buddy? Oh, golly, yeah. sometimes. <laughs> What's your nickname? Oh, golly. Hmm. I don't, you know what? It's uh, I've had. There's always been a couple. I've I've never really been that much of a nickname person. It's like I just you know, Leith is just a cool name. <laughs> yeah. Like, How do you make that better? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> More memorable. Yeah, you, you just have a cool name, so you don't need a nickname. Oh well. So. Thanks. No, it's it's you know it's certainly a unique one. Although I have met a few Leiths, and uh, they've all been groovy people. I went to prom with a guy named Leith. Really? I was I think I was in grade nine. So it, it wasn't my high school prom, but I was the date of Aleth. Amazing. High school. Yeah. Cool. Well, there's two at least. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so there's should be a sign going into Hubbard's that says, Welcome to Hubbard's home off fleet. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's gonna happen at some point in time. Oh, and then then there'll be more kids with your name after that. <laughs> 
<laughs> the more leaths that there are in the world, the groovier. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. We can, oh, make, we can make that sign. <laughs> I've got paint. <laughs> just just paste it over the exit sign. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, how are you doing, buddy? We're so glad you're here. This is uh, an honor, honor to have you in our presence here. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be here. I've heard always so many great things about about what you're both doing here, and uh, it's just such a pleasure to be a part of it. Well, that's very kind. Mm-hmm. We uh, it, there, There's something about feeling kind of almost hidden in this environment. It's funny because you guys are both so used to being on stage in front of hundreds thousands of people and that to me feels like a lot more vulnerable of a position like here it's almost like oh nobody's looking at me but you know that somebody's going to listen eventually so (laughs) it feels like a protective barrier for me i don't know if you guys have that or not or if you're like no i'd rather be in front of a crowd right now (laughs) for for me it's actually funny if it's it's a flip side although i'm feeling very comfortable with you (laughs) two but it's in general a huge crowd you know, you can play for thousands of people and it seems easy because you there's so many people that you can't even focus in on anyone really in particular. It's just a mass. So you don't think about it as much, I find. Right. Whereas if I'm playing a small, intimate concert where I'm playing in the corner and there's three people in the bar watching me, I'm like, ooh, okay, <laughs> pressure's on. <laughs> I really got to impress those cats. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and one thing about music uh versus this i think there's the energy that comes from a crowd too mm-hmm. and you can you can feed off that yes. and not to say you can't feed off a, a conversation oh, no. yeah. but when it's just three of us in a room just looking at each other and just mm-hmm. chatting it's not the same energy it's like a rock show at the shore <laughs> club or yeah. something <laughs> yeah. and they're both 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 great in their own way obviously but yeah a, a rock show when i get on stage like there's an excitement there just knowing that there's going to be that energy and mm-hmm. you know that, well, hopefully it's a good show where you, <laughs> you, you think that's going to happen, but in a conversation, it's a little bit different. It's more just the, the, the feedback is going to come afterwards. It's immediate with music. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. That's, uh, that makes sense, I suppose. But there, there is something that I feel more at ease personally here than mm-hmm. I would there. <laughs> but they also say that nerves and excitement feel the same in your body. So maybe it's just a trick of telling yourself like, no, I'm just excited. You know, that's something I've been working on lately is trying to kind of read myself a bit in every situation and just, cause I do, I do absolutely the parallels of that. Like they are the similar sensation. It's just how your brain's, interpreting what's happening yeah you know and uh that's you know i have this switch that flips sometimes you know certain shows yeah i do feel a little nervous beforehand but then the second you're up there that same energy is feeding through you but the way you're taking it in flips all of a sudden it's feeding what you're doing instead of worrying you about it you know it's you just kind of lean into it when you're in the moment Part of which, for me, I believe it's like brass tacks of it. You don't have a choice. Uh, mm. You're put into that environment. All of a sudden, like Shore Club, for instance, it is humid. It is hot. It mm. is loud. You walk up there, and all of a sudden, that's your world. And uh, it almost, it's easy, because it just, the switch flips, and uh, 
crank up the amps and start rocking. <laughs> Did you always feel that way? On the, on the way in, you said you used to rehearse with your, your old high school yeah. band just down the road yeah. from here. Did, uh, was that always the way you get on stage and you just let loose, essentially? You know, that, oh, even back then, yeah, it, I always felt that way. It felt easy once I was up there. Although, keyboards, I always felt like it was never an issue with nerves as much. When I was younger, I used to play a lot of trumpet. Oh, nice. And uh, it, I did a lot of jazz, big yeah. band, stuff like that. And I was always much more nervous with trumpet because if, you know, your lips aren't on, then your notes won't be on. It's like you you really have to just be steady with your own body. Mm. And uh, I find, you know, if I'd, I'd have certain shows where I'd be nervous and the nerves would carry in because I'd be trembling a bit or something, and I wouldn't get a good seal on the mouthpiece of the trumpet, and yeah. then the note slips, and then I'm like, oh, no! And then you're worried about another note slipping, whereas with keyboards and guitar and stuff, you basically, you know, as long as you just... Conviction in what you do. I mean, it's same with trumpet, really, but more of a mental thing, I guess. But uh, if you just go up and realize this is the world you're in now and these people are here to, to groove and why not all groove together so mm. you settle into it and it just it just sort of happens i find it's probably harder to have like a big stage presence playing something like the trumpet because it's so dependent on those physical aspects absolutely um i remember always you know posture very importantly where the bell yeah. of the instruments pointed especially when you're just using mics on a stand i mean the same kind of goes for singing yeah you know you have to work in your world around these focal points of where your mouth has to be and yeah. now now that i say that i'm self-conscious of where my mouth is <laughs> with this microphone <laughs> you're bang on yeah though, okay perfect nailing it Woo. but uh you know that's every instrument has its ability even if you're having to focus around a certain point, like even keyboards, when I'm standing behind my keyboards, you know, I can't move out from, unless I'm, unless I've got the keyboard uh, on. Well, we'll yes, talk you about can. That <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but, you know, even, even just being static behind keyboards, I still love dancing and moving yeah. and flourishing, you know, every instrument, drums, for instance, one of the most expressive physical instruments in yeah. ever. And, a drummer's sitting in the same spot through the whole show, but they're yeah. the most animated person up there, you yeah. know? Right. So. Has this become almost a cycle to expect when you play a show of, okay, I'm probably going to feel a little nervous, but then I get on stage and I'm in my comfort zone. Like, have you grown to be like, this is just what's going to happen? Yeah, that's definitely, as as a professional, that's fallen into place. I, I remember... There was a gig with uh, with Matt Mays several years ago in Kingston opening for the Glorious Sons, and we didn't actually even realize the scope of the gig until we got there. And it was a huge football arena mm. full of people. I think it was somewhere around 15,000 people were there when we were about to go nice. on, or by the time we were done anyway, but yeah. there were a lot of people there. And I was just side stage dancing before we went on. Yeah. It, it didn't. I didn't have any nerves at that show. And I guess that plays into what I was saying earlier. It was just such a big crowd. My brain couldn't even realize there was something to be nervous about. Yeah. <laughs> it's a blur. Yeah. But, um, other shows, you know, it can change. Uh, you know, anytime I'm doing the first show with a new band, there's always a little bit of nerves, but it's, it's never, 
a detriment. It's always ever just a, f- a fuel to go up there and give it my all. And it, it keeps me on edge just enough that I can flip that switch and put the pedal down. Did you always have the stage presence you have? Because you're known for that. Like you're, you're pretty animated <laughs> yeah. on stage and smiling and <laughs> so much movement. For, for a guy who is in a stationary yeah. spot, there is a lot of movement yeah. going on. And for me, like the, when I think back to the very first show I ever played, I couldn't have been more still. <laughs> I was like, it's just a perfect statue on stage, just my fingers moving. <laughs> but, uh, and then I eventually realized, okay, it's, well, it's more fun to be moving up there. It just, it feels more natural and you can vibe with the music and it's, it's almost just like a primal thing, really. Mm-hmm. You're just getting into the music and. I don't, I've never thought about, okay, I'm going to do this on stage. It's kind of just what happens. I'm going to guess that's the same for you. It absolutely is. You just, it's once you just take that wall down in your own mind to let yourself be yourself, Yeah, which is also one of the most important, like the most important thing about being a musician is to be yourself. Yeah. But um, I always used to dance. I loved dancing my yeah. whole life, and I actually took dance instead of phys ed in high school. Oh, nice. and it was the best. <laughs> but uh, so I always loved moving and grooving, and yeah. uh, to just let that happen, it uh, it it flows. You know, I I never I never I'm never putting on any moves, stage moves like that for. Like I'm never putting them on as a show or anything like that. Yeah. I'm just being myself. Yeah. And you know, I'm yeah, I guess I'm lucky that I just I naturally like to move like that. But and because it, it does help just flow like even doing the windmills with my arms into a chord on the organ, you know. Yeah. It uh I almost took the microphone off. I was about to do try everyone who's listening can clearly see what I'm doing with my arms. Um but uh it's your personality though, right? Like that's ultimately what it comes down to you know i just i love spreading joy to others i love seeing people have fun and looking out and seeing a crowd screaming jumping dancing smiling it's the best feeling in the world and to 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 absorb to reabsorb like you as a musician on stage you're part of causing that but then seeing that feeds back into what you're doing (laughs) so Every, you know, the, the animate animation of movement and being excited. I, I'm not, I mean, I'm that kind of person in general. And if you can't have a conversation with me without me doing some sort of little dance to express <laughs> what I'm talking about. So it, yeah, it definitely comes down to the personality. And yeah. that's what I love too, is that every musician has their own body language on stage because yeah. of who they are as a person. You know, so it I've really, never thought about that. Yeah. Like, yes, of course, your your art is representative of you. This is something that's come up quite, quite common. But to know that just being at ease with who you are and this is what happens is really brilliant because like you're saying, that's what the audience is responding to. I love that your natural element is also doing windmills. Like that's pretty amazing. <laughs> like this is just me. But but it's such an important thing I think for for people especially maybe if you're new to performance of how critical that is. Like that's mm-hmm. really where the magic is at. Yes. For you and the audience. And yeah, then the cyclical relationship starts to happen. Yeah, and it's it's just like setting a guitar in front of an amplifier. It just starts to get louder and louder feedback, you know. And those vibrations you feel that off a crowd and even though although the thing is 
I love playing for crowds of all size. It could be thousands of people. It could be one person. Yeah. I've had shows where I've just played for the bar staff. Mm-hmm. And even if I can see someone behind the bar moving and grooving a little bit to what <laughs> yeah. I'm doing, that is my job done. Because if one person, basically I always think of it this way, if there's one person out in the crowd that's having a rough day or a rough week or a rough year, um, if I can make one person leave having a bit of a smile on their face, just one person, that I will feel like I've succeeded in what I'm out to do with music. Because if I if something happened with my hands and I couldn't play anymore, I'd want to do motivational speaking of some yeah. sort, just because I want everyone to always enjoy their life, find something to enjoy in their life, find a way through a tough time, find their way into a different chapter of who they need or want to be. That's my main goal as a performer. So whatever way I can ever do that, that's what I want to do. And you do that to the utmost level too. Like yeah, you're, I'm 11 out of 10 on you're, that. <laughs> you're just joy on stage. That just makes people s- smile. Oh. Like that is, that's a real thing. And that's, and I, and I, I feel the same way where, a show is an escape for people too. Mm-hmm. Like you don't know what other people are going through. Exactly. Like they can get away from the thoughts of bills they have to pay, the whatever it is that's bothering, and they come out for two, three hours, whatever the, the show is, and they can just live in that moment with you. Mm-hmm. And at those times when, like you were saying earlier, the audience is feeding off you, but then you're feeding off them. Yeah. And we've talked about this on the show before. That's they can create the most magical moments possible when you have that audience, whether it's big or small, Mm -hmm. but when that feedback is cyclical and just everyone is growing and growing. And by the end of it, you're all just giants basically. Yeah. Well, that's it. And it's, and it's funny though, because there've been times, you know, we all have our lives and we all have things happen. There've been times where I've been the one having a bad day and I go up to play a show and that that feedback it helps me yeah you know and uh and i come off stage just remembering the energy that's important to hold in my heart you know and what to focus on i find if i'm having a bad day and i go to play a show it it brings me back to where i need to be yeah it's a live performance i feel is almost missing in this conversation of presence because we're often given the advice to be present in our lives mm-hmm. and like you're saying mike it's it's difficult to separate from the bill that's due or the responsibility you have but being in such an immersive environment you're at one with every person in that room like you have no choice almost to be to be present yeah. i think that's part of the power in what both of you do, but it's not often lumped into kind of this meditative or spiritual conversation, mm-hmm. but it truly is a spiritual experience. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's I, like, it's unlike anything else. Was your desire to think about that one person in the room and bring joy? Did that come before music or did you step into this performance role and discover this was a really beautiful byproduct of it? You know, I, my whole life, I've always wanted those around me to be doing well and being happy and to be happy. But um, I didn't realize the scope of how it all 
could work to help someone until I got in that role as a mm. performer and started to have a career. Just witnessing, even going out to shows early on and seeing the effect on the crowd, like from a distance, from not even from being on stage, yeah. but just being out in the crowd and looking at people around me, watching from, like, the, I would see people that before the show started, they'd have, you know, a neutral look on their face, maybe worrying about something, who knows. But then when the music starts, it's just magical, you know? People transform. They they find within themselves what they need to again. And uh, music's just a guiding light for that, I believe. How did this whole journey start for you, buddy? Take, it <laughs> takes back to the very beginning. All right. We, we know uh, one of your early piano teachers yeah. <laughs> we met, Bonnie. Bonnie McQuaid, <laughs> yeah. that's, where, that's where it all started. Is it? Yeah. Yeah, so I... Um, Bonnie was, uh, she is still, ne uh, she lives next door to the house I grew up in, yeah. in Hubbard's. And when I was six years old, my parents wanted me to start piano lessons because I've had musical background on both sides of my family. So music, you know, that was always something my parents would encourage. Yeah. And uh, so I, it, and then just so happened that I've got a piano teacher as a neighbor. Yeah. So <laughs> I started out doing uh the Music for Young Children program, and that gave so many wonderful building blocks to learn about music. But at the same time, I was also listening to Deep Purple, T-Rex, <laughs> yeah. Edgar Winter Group, stuff like that, Kinks. Yeah. Um, Did nice. Bonnie have sheet music for that? It's, so <laughs> it's, it's funny because she, what Bonnie did, and I'm forever, forever grateful for, for this, is that she knew I wanted to play rock and roll. But she also knew that the, the basis for the skills required for that are jazz and blues. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And being able to use your ear. So she, over the years, started to move me away from classical and more into jazz and blues and improv. And then I ended up with, in junior high, two amazing band teachers, jazz instructors as well. Um, at Ten Talent Junior High, it was Tobias Beal and Jeff Stern, and they really cultivated using your ear and improvising, trusting your ear, and that combined with what Bonnie was teaching me, it all just combined in this very interesting way, all the different musical worlds, and um, I was able to start to just trust myself and play things by ear, figure things out, yeah. and... So I would go through, I was in so many jazz programs, uh, in, and I had Dave Staples, a, an amazing jazz instructor I had in high school. And um, I played trumpet as well, so trumpet and piano, both. Playing another instrument always gives you a, an interesting outlook on music because it, it's a way of experiencing music through a whole other mindset. Mm. And for trumpet, whenever I would solo, you know, you eventually run out of air, so you have to breathe. And you have to adjust your phrasing of what you're playing to fit that. Mm. With keyboards, you don't. You can keep playing as long as you like, because it doesn't depend on the breath you take, <laughs> on the breaths you're taking. But because I was a trumpet player, that affected how I phrased things playing keyboard, because I still, and to this day, I still take a breath, even though it might not sound like it sometimes. There's just enough space. You know, my my brain still does that. So... 
Anyway, and those breaths are necessary too. Right? Well, that's it. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like it's good even on an instrument where you don't have to breathe. It's yeah. it's musically pleasant to have phrasing like yeah. that. So anyway, I did all this jazz stuff and write a rock and roll band in high school too with my friends, and it all was amazing but i never thought that it would be a living i hmm. i wasn't expecting it to be so i was in heavy math and sciences all through school yeah so i was going i went into electrical engineering because i thought you know if i can't play music for a living i'd love to at least design and construct musical devices hmm. and musical equipment and uh so i went to dalhousie for that and uh Partway, well, it was the beginning of second year, and I was a Frosh Week leader for my residence, and I wanted to show some first years, like, you know, groovy time at Dalhousie. And uh, <laughs> the last night of Frosh Week, <clears throat> excuse me, last night of Frosh Week, the Melotones were playing at the Greywood, oh, nice. Dal's Bar. And what I hadn't really realized, Sean Weber, who was an, a newer member of the band at the time, playing saxophone, he used to work at Long & McQuaid, and when I would be in town waiting for an extracurricular jazz band to start, I'd be every week I'd be killing time at Long and McQuaid playing the keyboards. Yeah. And there'd always be this guy who would walk by, like bopping his head to whatever I was doing. I was like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, so I didn't, you know, I didn't really know who he was or anything. But then a couple of years later, we're at the Greywood, I'm dancing with my friends, and uh, I guess on the set break, Sean told the guy, he saw me in the crowd, and I yeah. guess told the guys I could play. So the last song of the night, it was uh, Shake Everything You Got, Maceo Parker. They're just grooving. They're just jamming. I'm on the dance floor. Jeff Mosier beckons to me, and I'm like, what? Like, while they're playing... And I go up to the front of the stage, and he's yelling over the music. He's like, you play keys, right? I'm like, yeah. He's like, do you want to get up and do an organ solo? <laughs> and Ian Mosier, who was on keyboards, you know, got, uh, got up and was very kind and gracious enough to let me up. And as I was walking up to do it, I was thinking, it's rare in life that you ever really can feel that a moment is a moment. Mm. but. I knew if I gave that everything I had, because I'd given up on the possibility of being a musician for a living. But in that moment, I was like, if I give this everything I've got, there is a chance hmm. that something could happen. And I, this I did. This is amazing. I'm covered in goosebumps head <laughs> to toe right now. Yes. <laughs> oh, you guys. <laughs> but yeah, I got up and I, I did give it everything I had. And after that... They were like, come down to the seahorse uh, any any Thursday, sit in. And uh, that was, I started to go down every Thursday. I'd be dancing all night and then get up for a couple tunes. And that was where I started to meet the first bunch of people I played music with. And it just snowballed from there. But it was because of their graciousness that I have a career. And I'll be forever thankful for that. What was the reaction from the crowd when you got on stage? Like a lot of your buddies were probably in the audience. And, like, <laughs> well, did they go crazy? It was yeah. It was <laughs> it was funny because uh, it was actually a pretty low key night at the Greywood. But I brought out a crew, and we were still going right to the end. So they all rushed the stage. <laughs> and, you know, it was very it was a nice supportive feeling. But then, you know, through being out at the Seahorse, like I'd meet 
musicians. I'd also meet bar staff. I'd just meet people who would go out. I just started to get to know the community yeah. every week. And I went almost every week for a long time. I still, you know, I still pop down uh, to see the Melotones wherever they're playing whenever I can. Yeah. Uh, but uh, they just were so kind and gracious to take me under their wing. And they taught me so much about being a professional. Yeah. Being in the scene, they really guided me on a trajectory that, had they not have, I, it, my career wouldn't have taken off in the way it did. That's it's such an incredible story. Thanks. <laughs> I had no idea, and, yeah. and having having that invitation and being aware of the power in that moment is huge and so rare, like you're saying. Yeah, I I've never I've never had a moment since that I've had that much conviction mm. in my head that this is something. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I'll never forget the way it felt. We try to create those moments all the time, yeah. but it's almost impossible to just create something with that magnitude attached to it. Because though, when they do happen in real life, it's has to be this alignment of so many things that bring all these possibilities together. So for you to recognize it in, in the moment is, is really special. And to capitalize on it. Well, you know, it just, uh, I don't think I had another choice, you yeah. know, at the time. Just, I, I just went up and <laughs> I gave it everything I had. Yeah. And it was, uh, I'm just like, I actually have footage of it. Uh, oh. One of the guys in the crowd recorded it. It's yeah. pretty grainy old cell phone footage, but yeah. I was watching it the other day and, uh, on one hand, I'm like, wow, I've really developed as a player since then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, but you know what? The the conviction was there. Yeah. Because I just knew that I had to give it everything. So, Had you performed live or in an environment like that before? I, I had, yeah. I uh, With my, my high school rock band, Red Star, uh, we'd, we used to do the occasional bar gig around town or outside of town, but I was too young, so I had to have paperwork. Yeah. And uh, so whenever the set breaks were on, I was out the door, out in the parking yeah. lot, you know. Uh, so I was used to doing, you know, I was used to playing for people, and I did a lot of performances through the jazz bands that I was in, but none of that, even like none of the underage gigging I did, it it wasn't, you know, to to be an adult young adult mind you but being on the scene and just kind of finding my own way through it every performance early on i would take away something i'd learn something i'd learn just by watching everybody else seeing how you find that flow you know and that definitely taught me seeing all the members of the melatones each person being very different in terms again personality but they each had a different body language on stage they each had different moves and it comes back to what I was saying is that everybody has their own language up there mm-hmm. through what they're playing with notes and also how they look, how they're moving. And, uh, you know, eventually I just started to get in the groove of it, <laughs> but, uh, I was very fortunate to have those opportunities with the tones to finesse that. Today's episode is brought to you by the amazing Wilson's coastal club. This resort has eight cottages, ranging from bachelor to three-bedroom units, so you can take the whole family along, including your fur babies. Dogs are welcome. 
Mallory and Kyle, the owners, are two awesome people who have created the perfect getaway for you. And we've stayed there ourselves, and, you know, we felt like two little kids on vacation. This hidden gem is right on the ocean. They've got a private beach with loungers for all of their guests, e-bikes, and all of the water sports like stand-up paddle boards, kayaking, swimming, and the ambient sound of the waves. A lot of wildlife there, too. Loons. Ducks. Seals. Cranes. Deer. Bunnies. And more bunnies! Woo! (laughs) As if this place wasn't awesome enough, They're also offering fitness classes on the beach, wellness retreats, and meditation workshops. Wilson's Coastal Club is open all year round. And if you're worried about the Nova Scotia winter nipping at your nose, don't fret, they've got you covered. They're offering Canadian-made cedar wood-fired hot tubs and oceanfront 10-foot red cedar panoramic view barrel saunas coming this fall. Located at 7532 St. Margaret's Bay Road in Bootlears Point, Nova Scotia, you can book your stay at wilsonscoastalclub.com. And if you book before October 30th and use the discount code Mike and Kristen, you'll receive 15% off your stay. Woo! Private beach! Bonfires! Whoa, good times in the maritime! S'mores! Woo! Woo! I remember I was at Music Nova Scotia. I used to go in there to use their, their printer and get, get some free copies of stuff printed off, you know. And uh, Serge Sampson worked there. Oh, Serge. And he... Played and still plays bass with Matt Mays. Mm-hmm. And I was just talking to him and he's like, you got to hear this young guy who's jamming with us now. And he said, he's trading solos back and forth, Matt. And he's like going on talking about this, this young guy playing, playing organ. And I'm like, that sounds amazing. And then I don't know when the next time I would have seen Mays perform, but I saw you on stage. I'm like, holy shit, this guy's amazing. <laughs> and then all of a sudden you're playing with everybody. <laughs> It was like it was like you just you didn't exist for my eyes. I didn't, yeah, yeah, I didn't I, know who you were. Yeah. I, you didn't exist, and all of a sudden, Leith is everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I was I was very fortunate because every group that I would start to play with early on, they would recommend me to somebody else, yeah. and then they'd recommend me to somebody else, and it, it just got exponential pretty yeah. quick. And uh, I had to. Figure out a balance too, a balance that I'm still trying to always figure out yeah. to this day, mm-hmm. uh, to keep, you know, a balance of, of which groups I'm playing with and finding a way to have the musical experiences I want. Even if it's a band I can't always be there for, I still always love taking every opportunity to, to perform with people I enjoy performing with. Mm-hmm. So, but it's always a little bit of a dance, Yeah, but, uh, I, you know, not, not a regret at all because it's a dance worth doing and my career i owe so much of it to the understanding of everyone that i played with because there were so many groups i've played with over the years that know if a certain group calls me i have to go even if i'm locked in for a gig right and i was always very clear about that from the get-go so there, there were there were never any heart, bad feelings or anything because i was always just clear i would love to be a part of this band but if something comes up with such a so-and-so, I have to go. And no one ever was anything but all right with that, mm. which I'm very thankful for because that was what enabled me to cultivate the career I did. I want to ask you about, uh, you use the words about everyone talking their own language or mm-hmm. expressing their own language on stage. 
in your opinion, how does what makes it cohesive? So you're stepping into all these different bands, presumably who are speaking different languages mm-hmm. to to you or to one another. How do you find your footing or what makes it kind of all flow together? Well, I feel in the same way that you could have a band of six guitar players and nobody else. And it's funny, I'm just imagining that now, actually. That would be quite, <laughs> quite something. It would be, it wouldn't be as multidimensional. Having a band with drums, bass, guitar, vocal keyboards, everybody fills in the gaps of what the instruments do. And it creates a, it's a glue. If everyone's grooving together, that's a glue that is very powerful because everyone's just on the same vibe. I think the exact same thing applies for body language and movement in the same way that you need multiple instruments in a band to form music, a full experience of music. You don't want to have everyone up there moving the same way. I find letting each, and that's the most important thing as a musician and a performer is to be yourself. Uh, no matter what you think, like, you know, it's so easy to doubt yourself in this world. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've battled with that too. But if you just do yourself and stay true to how you move, you know, it's like I never once in the middle of any of my windmills or anything like that stopped to think, oh, is this what I should be doing? Mm-hmm. I'm already past that. Like the movement's already happening, you know, I'm along for the ride. So I find. The bands where everyone is their own person, and May's band is a perfect example of this. It's such a beautiful harmony of personalities and body language, and we just it it and and sound it makes for a multifaceted lock-in, if that makes any sense. And I you can see that on, I see it on stage and judging by how the crowd seems to react, mm-hmm. they, they see it too. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's I find it's very similar to what, how you would think about instrumentation in a band. You can apply that also to who the people are and how they like to move. It's certainly palpable. Have, have you been able to translate that environment into what I'll call real life? Not that that's not, but <laughs> your, your, your day-to-day life in other relationships? Well, it's... It's funny because I, when I'm on stage, you know, I'm, I'm one person that everyone sees and everyone knows, but when I walk off the stage, it's a lot different and not many people know that, but, uh, I find, you know, I sometimes have issues with, you know, just conviction or confidence in other parts of day-to-day life, but where I get energy to figure that out and have faith and how I, I get it in reverse. You know, I take, I try to take a bit of that off the stage into my life and every day is different. And I'm, you know, still very much figuring out, you know, how to go through this, this crazy world. Uh, not that it's crazy. It's, I mean, some parts of it are, it's a wonderful world (laughs) as well. Groovy in fact. Um, (laughs) but, uh, I just find, remembering how I act on a stage and conviction conviction in a performance, if I can get at least a percentage of that to have conviction in life, you know, that's what I want to do. And I'm working on that every day. And, uh, but the music that, that is the world where 
I already have that. And then the day-to-day life is something. So, you know, it's like the, some people are probably in reverse. They've got everything mm. figured out on their offstage life. And then, you <laughs> yeah. know, they figure out how to go up on a stage. For me, it's always been the other way around. But, um, you know, that's just another power of what music can do is it helps you with the other aspects of life. Mm. You know, trains your brain to think differently, appreciate differently. And uh, every day I learn something new. You take that badassery from on stage, <laughs> which you certainly are when you are on stage, oh, and you. even a fraction of that in your day-to-day life, and I imagine that just makes things not necessarily easier, but you can, like you're saying, approach them with more more confidence and belief in yourself. Ab- absolutely, and... uh these last several years, it's like really having to uh, to go through, you know, what we've all what we've all endured. Coming out of that, especially, I've really just tried to take on new mindsets and new way, just ways that now that I'm back in the groove, how can I do things the absolute best way that I can? Mm-hmm. And that requires conviction, the same conviction, you know, that I get in the middle of a solo on stage. So it is. It's the same way I was talking about the feedback thing earlier, that sometimes it's me on stage having a bit of a rough day, but I'm getting my energy from that interaction with the crowd. So music, it's always there in the back pocket to give you what you need as long as you open yourself up to it. Have you ever found that creating those highs on stage, like when you're in in that moment where everyone's feeding off each other, Mm -hmm. that energy's just at this peak, that's when the show is over and you wake up the next day, like you feel like it's hard to, hard to exist in just day-to-day life without a thousand people screaming. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny because the, the day-to-day life you do, you know, you wake up the day after a show and you reflect, you reflect on the fun, you reflect on the energy you put out, the energy you gain back. You also sometimes, you know, just need a minute to chill and relax. Um, yeah. And if you're on tour, it's a very different dynamic because you're just waking up and off to the next town. Yeah. So um, it's, and then you kind of get really in a cycle and a rhythm of of your energy. It's like a tide. And the longer you're on the road, I find, the more you really lock into that. And uh, as much as touring can sometimes be a little bit draining just in the day-to-day of logistics for it. The fact that you're playing music every night, it, it just gives you that, it refills your tank and your mm. battery. Uh, and it gives you the strength required to, to get up and get on the move and go do it again and yeah. again and again. <laughs> so, but it's chasing it, the dragon. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but it's, uh, yeah, I've, there's definitely sometimes if I do like a big one-off show, it's something I've been preparing for and rehearsing for for weeks or months, and it's all hinging down to one performance. Yeah, I do find the next day is very much, you know, and I just acknowledge to myself that I've expended a lot of energy and I've put a lot of time and my life all into that moment that is yeah. now in the past. And 
will never happen again. You know, yeah. some, sometimes you get a call again for another of, you know, you do a one-off and then a year later you do it again. But I've had so many shows that have taken so much energy and time to prepare for that then you do it and it's done and that's it. And so what I always try to do is even though that show was just for one night, find something about that experience that you can take with you every day following, mm -hmm. whether it be something you learned, learned about yourself and how you absorb music or how you get ready for a show or figuring out a new, like you communicate with a band member in a different way and you find a new way of interacting with the people you work with. Um, there's always something that you can take for the future. And every performance is a learning opportunity yeah. on that front. Do you feel like you're naturally built for a lifestyle that is always kind of shifting? Like you're not waking up at the same time and going to the same office on the same bus mm -hmm. route. And, and for a lot of people, they need that to thrive. And it doesn't make us better or worse for preferring a certain world. But do you think that you naturally were kind of born to live this lifestyle? You know, it's, it's funny because I, there's, it's definitely a different life. It's not an office job. There's no consistency. Even if you have a gig that could be going amazing and great for several months, the, it's, it's an unpredictable industry in many ways. You know, you could, you could have something that you're totally locked in on and then it could disappear, but then you just take a look for something else and another opportunity you, you always, it's, it's kind of like, no, I've never done boxing or anything like that in my life, <laughs> but you always kind of are on your feet, kind of light on your feet at the ready. And I find that is a skill. If you can have that sense, then a career in music is going to be all right. You just have to be ready to roll with the punches, but you know, it, and again, it's it's multifaceted because there's always multiple streams of action happening. You know, different bands on the go, different tours. But it's there are people who can't do it. There are people who come into it not knowing how, and people who figure it out. And I'm sure that was me. You know, I didn't really have much in my life as a comparison before, because you know my my life was fairly structured uh and people always that's one thing people always comment to me it's like how do you deal with all these you know ups downs back forth changes in plans you know cancellation of plans yeah. creation of last minute things you know you get a call like there have been times when i've been in bed asleep and i'll get a call and my phone's never on silent for that reason i'll get a call like in like middle of the evening and like, Oh, there's, you know, somebody couldn't make a gig that starts at midnight. Can you come out and, and do it? And I've had times where I've gotten out of bed, thrown my keyboard in my car, gone downtown, ah. you know, there's, it is a certain kind of person that can do this job, but it's not necessarily something you have to be born with. You know, if you're receptive enough to figuring out how to guide your life around it, or let it guide your life a bit, you know, you can, you can get the skills you need to just from getting your feet wet by doing it. It's a great answer. You, you seem like you, you've really figured out a way to 
live in the moment, to appreciate when good things are happening, to to take the good from from a from a show or a tour and to to learn from the bad and this this mindset is something that there's probably like buddhist monks out there who don't have it down as good as you do <laughs> like <laughs> you seem like you just have this this perfect approach to, to the life you created where you you know how to roll with every punch that comes your way another boxing analogy yeah. um is this something you learned along the way? Is this just what you were born with, what your parents taught you? Well, my parents, they're both very organized and diligent people. Yeah. And uh, so that mindset was always with me. And um, But in terms of being in the groove of the profession, it is very much something I had to learn as I went. But... I was enjoying it so much and finding, like, appreciating the moments to learn, even when things weren't going good here and yeah. there. I would always take away something to help build my understanding, build my skill set, my toolbox yeah. for how to exist and thrive in this profession. And I'm still learning. I'm, I'm like, this, this year especially, I've, I've learned a lot. And it's, I'm never going to stop. The moment you stop learning, you know, that's, that's the end. Uh, and no matter what, you know, people, so many people, unfortunately do leave the profession for many different reasons. Mm -hmm. But for me, there would never be like, as long as you're finding something that you can take away from every opportunity, good or bad, that's motivation to keep going. Because you you just you further develop yourself, and I've learned way more, you know. As we were talking earlier about being like on stage versus off stage, I'm very much developing who I am off stage a lot more. But based off of the life I'm living with the music, so it's it's just getting the flip side of it. So I'm still learning. There's new new things I'm figuring out. I'm nowhere near done hmm. figuring it all yeah. out. You know, no one ever should be. Yeah, yeah thank that's, goodness. Yeah, that's that's what drives us. And so anyone that thinks they have they're done learning and they they leave it all behind, there's always something else to figure out. And that's just but that's just the joy of every day. And uh whether it's something amazing you take with you or something not so amazing that can help guide what you do in the future. It's all helpful. Well, it's just such a beautiful outlook, though, because naturally as humans, it is hard to have that outlook because we, we exist on the, they say, the hedonic treadmill where you achieve something and then you, you want something that's bigger. Like mm -hmm. if it feels good for a little while and then you, you, you get a house or a car, yeah. like, oh, I want a faster car, I want mm -hmm. a bigger house, I want to play a bigger stage, yeah. I want to have a better keyboard, whatever <laughs> it is. Like, yeah. So it, it is like, that's just a natural human tendency. And I think, I know I struggle with it. Like I look around and when I really soak in like what I have and what I do, like it's couldn't be any better really. But at times like, oh, I need to whatever, play a bigger show mm -hmm. or make, make more money playing a show. But ultimately being able to appreciate what we have 
you're always going to be you're always going to be happy if you have mm -hmm. that mindset even if you have nothing you can be happy right yeah <laughs> no that's you know and i you know the, my career has taken me to places i never even even when i was getting my feet wet in the i never thought a music career would take me to and uh that's the thing it's like i was i would have been perfectly still finding things to learn things to take away from every show no matter what but then the more that a career blossoms the more avenues you have to learn and for me that's why i would never want to only play with one group of people because and i and i'm fortunate enough in my career to always have 10 or more bands on the go <laughs> yeah. but you gain so much from being around different lives because that's the thing too as much as you learn from the performance i've learned so much from the different people i've had the pleasure of working with over the years and everyone has a different story. Everyone has a different lesson to teach. And the more people you work with, the more of that you absorb. And then, and I've found now that, you know, I'm older than when I started. And now there's younger people that I'm teaching things to and helping yeah. them with. And it's like, we're all just helping one another. Yeah. And that's the way a music scene should work. We have found that exact outcome through podcasting. Because right. we're able to invite people in and hear their perspective and learn about their life and their story and their resilience, their attitude, all of this. And, you know, in this moment, it's it's exciting for me to be able to say in real time, I'm listening to somebody who has reminded me of the importance of this perspective mm. and how it's uncomfortable to be uncomfortable. And <laughs> as artists, we're faced with this all the time. Yeah. But it's so nice to have that reminder to tell myself, but those are the moments that you learn something. Those are the moments that you grow. Those are the moments that you can change your life, really. Mm -hmm. And so thank you for being honest about that. <laughs> oh, you're like, most it's, welcome. It's super, super important for people to hear that. Yeah. Uh, when did you meet Matt Mays? So Matt, I met him. It was Mike Farrington, uh, Melatone's bassist, who, and he really took me under his wing in so many ways. But I remember he took me up uh, up to the alehouse this would have been partway through i think probably summer of 2013 or like spring of 2013 and uh he he just we were just going out after a melatones gig and uh he we walked in and maze was up there and he took me over and introduced me to matt and uh matt was so kind and gracious and he was like oh man you know we gotta have a jam at some point or do something and i actually gave matt i used to have these little business cards that i made <laughs> not professional at all just like printed on regular paper a little flip floppy but um i gave him one and uh but we just got to be friends just from being out in the scene together and i joined his band in fall of 2014 and uh but we were always friends leading up to that mm -hmm. and uh sometimes like you know we'd i'd crash like we'd hang out wherever he was staying i'd crash or he'd crash at my place so we'd hang out and chat and uh i learned a lot from that guy too you know it's like he's been around he's experienced a lot and and he taught me so much about performing too just feeling the energy in a room and harnessing it um but yeah it was what I, that was one thing I really enjoyed was that it wasn't just you get a call to be hired for a band. It was like we spent a long time becoming friends and just mm -hmm. spending time together, enjoying the good times, 
getting through the rough times. Like he's helped me over the years when I've had things I've been going through. I've helped him. I've talked to him when he, you know, it's, it's what friends do, you know, and, and that you can make the best music with your friends. Yeah. You know, so. Well, yeah. when you see Maze's band, you guys all on stage, especially at like the Shore Club or something. Yeah. Family that reunion. Is, yeah. That yeah. Is, that's like the most fun you can possibly have there. Oh, it's, it's, yeah. The energy in there is always unreal. And that comes back to it though. It's like, we're all friends up there and we're all very different people. Mm-hmm. And, but that diversity, that's what gives that band. It's, you know, that's, that's the signature energy. It's it, we all each of us bring something unique. Well, you guys sell out five back-to-back shows in a matter of minutes. <laughs> like the internet actually shuts down for five <laughs> minutes while Shore Club tickets are being bought. Yeah, like that's that's a got to be a unique thing to happen for for a band. I mean, Taylor Swift maybe <laughs> experiencing this, but. That's it, it's a testament to how how loved you are and 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 in particular Leith, it's it's rare I've been to a show similar to the Shore Club that you guys are playing where the audience is just a volcano of eruption for you the keyboard player <laughs> like that is just you're so loved there and I mean the whole band is but we had Matt on and and actually commented in that interview about. And I think sometimes because I'm an audience member in these environments, I'm not on stage. Maybe I can see something that you don't get to experience. Mm -hmm. But as an observer in particular of those shows, we made the comment that all of you have your time in in the spotlight. Like, yes, you're going to see Matt Mays. He's incredible. He's an icon. Mm -hmm. But you go because every one of you is so individually talented and captivating that it's like you all you're you're there to see all of you as individuals that's a rare thing with music you know what it is i've i've heard people say that and again you're right Uh, when you're on stage you don't you don't really catch it as much because it's all just happening yeah but that you know that group the the audience's enthusiasm and matt's also graciousness and in terms of he knows how to cultivate a show and make sure everyone has their moment Mm -hmm. and that as as someone and if i you know i'd like to have my own band at some point and uh hopefully soon but i would always it's the same it's like i would want everybody to have a moment to speak with their voice and just do what their spirit is telling them to do you know and letting people be themselves, that's the secret. That's yeah. the secret to rock and roll. Mm. And Matt has always been the best for that. So it's really, it's interesting you point that out, but it's, he does give us each time to shine. And the crowd, you know what? It's, it's great because then they get a very diverse show. Mm-hmm. They get different musical flavors from all of us doing our own thing. But then we're all still up there building each other up together. It's it's an interesting hybrid of the way it works, but uh, but Matt shows are always special for that reason. You so far in your career, you've essentially been a a hired gun, mm-hmm. a side man. But you mentioned just in in passing there that you wanted to start your your own band. What's yeah. what's the story there? <laughs> well, I just it's something I've wanted to do for many years. Yeah. but I've 
when I was talking about earlier about learning, you know, figuring out myself, figuring out, you know, how to work through different things, figure out how to be certain, you know, I finally am starting to feel ready to do that, yeah. ready to, to be in, you know, be in the front and be a guide and make sure, of course, though, it's not just the me show, you know, that's not what I'm about. I used to do solo gigs, just playing covers in the corner, you know, around town and singing. But for me, the magic of music is the interaction of people on stage. And mm -hmm. so when I do my own thing, I'm going to make sure that we're all up there being friends and also everyone gets a chance to speak in their own, well, like I would never want anyone to be anything other than themselves, mm -hmm. both in terms of personality and in terms of, you know, what they're playing. And I'm still figuring out what kind like I have many different styles of music I can play, mm -hmm. uh, you know, different instruments, a mix of different instruments that I can play. And I'm trying to figure out a way to put all that together, but I've got a studio set up on the bottom floor of my place that I just did a ton of rearranging in. I'm, I'm actually probably going to go there, go back there today and start wiring it back up mm -hmm. and just laying down ideas, uh, even like 30 seconds of something and just starting to catalog ideas to come up with, with, you know, a, a basis for a song. I'm not, I don't have much experience being a songwriter. I'm always able to put something, put my own vibe into what someone else is doing. And mm -hmm. the, the, the best opportunities that I've had in terms of being hired to record are when people let me be me mm -hmm. and trust that they're bringing me on to, 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 to be myself instead of guiding every single note I play. You know, if, if, if they have faith to let me use my ears and find where something's going to sit, you know, that's, that's the ideal. So that, but that's for other people. Now for my own world, in terms of writing a song from the bottom to the top, I, I'm still figuring it out. I've never fully completed one. I've got a couple like three quarter songs kicking yeah. around, <laughs> but, uh, it's this next year, I'm really going to be putting more of a focus on that. How it's exciting. Yeah. Congratulations. Thanks. Yeah. No, it's, I'm really like, I'm excited to record, but more so than even recording. And I think even before I've got a whole lot record. it's, I love live performance. And for me, if I had, to, as much as I love the recording world, if I had to pick one, it would always be live. Yeah. Mm -hmm. As much as you can create these wonderful worlds in a recording studio and it's, it's painting on a canvas, you know, in a studio. But being on stage with different people and just grooving out together, like I, I get goosebumps thinking of it with my hmm. doing it with my own band because it's just, I, I've spent so much time being a part of other people's efforts and loving it, loving every minute yeah. of it. But it's time for, for me to find my own voice as well and, and, and find a way to have my own voice be out there and uh yeah so that's i'm still i still do many many shows with different groups and tours and i'm always going to do that but i'm now going to have my own thing percolating away as well <laughs> well um, i'd like to acknowledge this as another moment in this life <laughs> well, <laughs> another <thanks>. turning point <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'm looking forward to it 
Were your parents musical? So, yeah. So my my mother she she played piano when she was younger, but her gra- her mother, my grandmother, uh, and all of her siblings, like all of her mother's siblings and their parents, they were a big band in the forties, oh, nice. a family band really? called the Dow Rhythmers. Yeah, ah. the family name was Dow, and uh, so they would tour and play around parties and dance dance halls. Uh, around the Western Canada, dip okay, into the nice, States a yeah. bit. Um, on my dad's side, uh, he played trumpet when he was younger, yeah. and he played trumpet. He was he lived in Lethbridge, Alberta, and he was in Sea Cadets. Oh, cool! So Sea Cadets in a landlocked area, you know, uh, trumpets kind of the route to go on. <laughs> yeah. There's not so much boat stuff, more trumpet. Um, but but his two brothers played guitar and drums, and uh. uh professionally as yeah, well okay, around nice. in the calgary scene back it's in the, in the day. blood right yeah it's it's funny though because having the big band the family big band yeah. route on one side and then the rock and rollers on the other i definitely was raised with a hybrid of influences mm. but that all played into you know my development as a player i remember having a conversation with you somewhere ecma some that was late at night and you mentioned your your dad is like a top dog is a statistician. statistician. Yeah. 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 That was like so cool to oh, hear. Thanks. No, you know what? He's an incredibly smart person and uh he he's worked so hard his whole life in that yeah. field. And uh yeah, he's still still working at Dalhousie. Yeah. Uh got a couple years left and he's loving it. And yeah. it's like, you know, he that's his that's his music, you know, that's his language that he can just speak fluently. And my mom, she's a visual artist and okay. uh, d- she can do like ar- architecture design stuff too and stained glass garden design yeah. watercolor you know drawing she so it's a very unique mix of the two they they both are incredibly skilled in their worlds yeah and it was a really i i'm so fortunate and lucky that i was able to uh to grow up having those two very different influences although it's funny i say very different but music and math in your brain are all the same. You know, it's all the same. Yeah. So it's it. You know, they're actually not so different in the end. And I was very lucky, though, because I had the, both of them. I definitely came out with an advantage for doing what I do. Yeah, yeah. Off stage, mm-hmm. what do you do to bring you that same kind of aliveness? Well, I. Uh, I have a couple things. I I have a motorcycle which I love and uh I I go out you know just I don't go on highways, I just go on the old roads, low speed, just feeling the wind on my face. It feels like you're flying. Mm. And uh for me just getting out now and again, uh it it's such a peaceful feeling and it also because it is what it is, you have to have your mind on it. You can't focus on anything else. So you just, it kind of forces me to ground myself through mm. that activity. Mm-hmm. But I also, I love going on walks. I walk every, I try to walk every day. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'll go out at 3 a.m. and go out for two or three hours. Yeah. You know, I'm a night owl and uh, put my tunes on and just, just walk, you know, explore my neighborhood and crisscross all over the place. And that is a good, that's different than the motorcycle because I can actually let my mind completely wander and 
I even stop paying attention to where I'm walking. I'm just like, if there's something in life I have to think about, something I have to deal with, you know, that's where I do it. And it's so peaceful at night too. And the world's so quiet, you know, and sometimes I'll just take the headphones out and just listen to the world around me. Mm. But, um, and then I, I love, like, I have a little boat out at my parents' place that mm. I take on the lake, you know, and putter around. Or I, you know, I like to go play squash and uh, go on a running track, you know. Just stuff that's very different from what I do for a living. And although, that being said, there's also, if I'm in the house and I'm just chilling, I'll pick up an instrument and just play for fun, just do my own thing, you know. So music is still there when I'm off the stage. Mm -hmm. um, there's just, it's there along with several other avenues with which I can settle and ground myself. And uh, I've found I'm happiest when I have a mix of activities going on. I, I like to keep my life diverse. And uh, it's, you know, it's where I find my peace. And you have a, a big tour coming up with the Crash Test Dummies. Yes, I do. Yeah. And that's going to be so much fun through the Maritimes and then into the uh, Ontario, into the States, play our way across to the West Coast, go back up into Canada, fly up to Whitehorse, back down to the prairies, <laughs> get home just in time for Christmas. Yeah. You know, but again, it's what I love doing. And that group such a wonderful family of people and uh you know it's just such a support network of people too yeah. so because when you're on the road for six weeks that is the longest tour that's the longest tour i've been on thus far yeah. i've done several month-long tours but this one's going to be a big one and yeah. uh but uh, you know what it's you're out there with your friends you're out there doing what you love it's it's the dream. It is the dream. Yeah. You know? Will you be hitting up any new places that you've not been before? There's going to be, yeah, like going, playing across the states is interesting because like we've done tours there where we've played like the major markets and stuff, but this one we're, we're going to be doing lots of like area, parts of the states I've never even been to. Mm -hmm. um, like Colorado, for instance, I've, cool. yeah, I've never, you know, so, but then even in states I've been in, we're playing tiny little towns or you know it's always funny because it's these tiny little towns in the states that you wouldn't even expect the kind of venue that you're booked into and then you show up and there's this beautiful theater or a beautiful art center you know it you never know you know and it's like just it just because you haven't you haven't been there before you have nothing to go off of like the experience is always going to be wonderful. And again, every time you play a, a place you haven't been before, you come through learning something else, you know, mm -hmm. same as I've talked about, you know, always taking the opportunity to learn that comes also from the travel aspect of, of touring. Mm -hmm. And I love, I'm a, I did history in university. Uh, the, the engineering I switched out uh, when the touring started. <laughs> so, but I finished with history. So, Every place I go, I always try to learn something about where I'm going. And that always makes the travel aspect easier too, because you're just, you're giving your brain some food about which, you know, which, which venue you're at or like the old, the history of all these old venues, uh, especially in the States. There's, I mean, there's some really old ones in Canada too, but there's just the stories are, are so cool and it just adds a whole other dimension to, to what you do. So yeah, it's going to be. It's going to be a big one, but 
every step of the way is going to be a joy. One of my favorite parts of touring has always been just going to a place that you, there's no other reason you go there otherwise. Yeah. Like just in day-to-day life, like why would you go to this particular place? And then you then you have memories associated with it. Absolutely. Like f- for the rest of your life, you're always going to associate whatever, the, these three things with this this random city and you, you have a reference point for yeah. it. Then. <laughs> like it's... It just lets you see things that you you wouldn't otherwise. You're absolutely right. And I always find it's funny because you play these places and you come away with that. And then the next tour, you're driving by on the highway and everybody's like, oh, I remember this, this, and that from that. You know, it's like you just got a much broader view of the world around you. Yeah. No, that's part of, yeah, like you were saying, travel too. Mm -hmm. It's a whole other component to being on tour. And Carlton Stone's going to Yeah, Carlton's going to be opening the shows. It's going to be the best. (laughs) I love Carlton. Well, Former guest. Yeah, that's a lot to look forward Wonderful. to, bud. What oh. a great, great fall. And then you'll roll in on your sleigh for yeah, the exactly. holidays. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you, exactly. And then, uh, and then, yeah, the next year, 2024, will begin. And uh, I'll have a little bit of breathing time to, you know, start thinking of my own stuff. So it's, and then more dummy stuff will be coming through. So it's, it's, it's just a, as I said, it's a dance, but it's a wonderful dance. And it's a dance that never, you know, it can be tight. You know, you can get tired and worn out just from the logistics of the travel and the touring, but and and the balance of everything. You know, the balance of you know playing my music, playing someone else's music, playing this. But at the core, every moment of doing that dance gives me something else to fuel me and give me energy and changes your mindset or. Re- makes you think even more about why you're doing this not not in a why am i doing this kind of a way <laughs> but it's more so you just the more the longer you do it the more you're able to take away from what you do and the more you learn the more you feel yourself like i feel like i'm i feel in many ways i've been doing it 10 years now and i feel like i'm just getting started still in many ways you know going yeah. revisiting the why i find is a good grounding exercise yeah, now and then absolutely. in this in this creative world that we live in yeah it's yeah. it's you know it, you always have to keep your mind open to that yeah. well this journey you're on is amazing for all the people around you to watch you know you're you're describing this this dance where you're learning along the way and it truly is a pleasure for us to get to watch you dance, buddy. Oh, thanks. Well, I can't <laughs> wait to groove out and dance with you guys at some point. <laughs> yeah, we're sure lucky that we got to spend some time with you before yeah. this big uh, six-week adventure. Oh, so thanks. Thanks a million for just making time for us and oh. entertaining our questions. <laughs> oh, my golly. You know what? It was such an absolute pleasure. Uh, you're both absolute angels and wonderful people, and it's been such a privilege to have these discussions with you both. Oh, uh, likewise, man. It's uh, always a pleasure running into you wherever wherever it happens, and then luckily it does happen more often than not. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah. Thanks so so much for being here, buddy. And I think a lot of people are going to just have some really nice takeaways from this because you have such a unique and beautiful outlook on life in the world, and. It's just something that pe- people can really appreciate because we we often get caught up in these these cycles where we're we're taking for granted what we do have, and mm-hmm. you are like the perfect example of someone who is able to just tr- truly live live in the moment and just 
stop and smell the roses, you know? <laughs> I remember one time going out on a big tour years ago and some some older musician we were talking to said, just make sure you stop and smell the roses. Yeah. And sometimes it is hard in the moment to, to really appreciate that. It's mm-hmm. just, you're looking forward to the next thing or the gig the next night because this one wasn't awesome. Yeah. But there, there's always good things you can take away from it and yeah. this conversation you 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 epitomize that oh well thank you no it's <laughs> but it's you know it's it's definitely the mindset to have not just in the music industry yeah, but sure. just in general you know it, it makes every day something worthwhile yeah beautiful ending Yes. Yeah, we got to end on that yeah, then. Yeah. Thanks for listening, everyone. <laughs> Thanks, Lee, for your, for sharing your wisdom and uh, your storytelling and just your your genuine kindness. Thank you. You're most welcome. Cheers, folks. So there you go. What a chat. What a guy. We're heading to Music Week. We're nominated for the Media Arts Award for this here podcast. Ooh, Mike and Kristen. How exciting. I yeah. still can't believe this. I can't believe we're even nominated for just sitting around talking to people. Like, so, Sit, so fun. Sitting and gabbing. Sitting and gabbing. So let's do a quick uh, overview of what we have coming up that we want to let people know about. Yeah, well, I got a song coming out on November 24th, mm-hmm. In Your Head. It's amazing. You can pre-save it now if you use Spotify. That just kind of helps the algorithm just, I don't know, let them know that people are interested. And then our big show at the Marquee, December 8th. So, yeah, get your tickets to that. Extra, extra. I'll put, the, I'll put a pre-save link and tickets, uh, show, show ticket links in the, the bio as well. Okay. Can we put my events? Yeah, well, yeah. it's your turn to say what your events are I now. mean, in the ticket, I always forget to put my own uh, event listings in the show notes. You make the show notes. I know. So what am I doing? I put blame, your links. Don't blame me. <laughs> no, it's totally my fault. I do write the show notes. <laughs> so I will be adding my own links this time around. We have, okay, so you and I land at 2 a.m. on November 17th, back from our trip. Yeah. And that very same day... We host a doubleheader show, Her Beautiful Brain, at yeah. Togetherland with our, our friend Steph McNamara. It's a one-woman show. And then on December 2nd, that's a Saturday night, we are hosting Cape Breton's sister duo, Hearts of Kin, yeah. previous podcast guests, uh, Danielle and Shelley. So uh, that's going to be a beautiful evening at the gallery as well. Yeah. Can't wait. Awesome. Then, then it's my birthday after that. We have a, a birthday uh. bash in the works. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> we might not put that in the show notes. Yes. There, there aren't tickets for that one, but Bring as many people we'll be sending the invites out in the mail. So yeah. check your mailboxes Come and inboxes. Come to the party. Okay, folks, uh, thanks for tuning in. Much love to all you cats, and uh, we'll chat very soon. Cheers. Cheers.